Hello, this is Daryl here, sending love as always. Thank you for tuning in. I just want to say, if you like this interview, you can check our website for companion workbooks, action guides, tools, checklists, templates, and show notes with links for everything mentioned on the call. Just visit bestbusinesscoach.ca. That's best, B-E-S-T, businesscoach.ca. Enjoy. Hi, I'm Daryl Urbanski, and welcome to the Best Business Podcast. My mission is to help create 200 new multimillionaire business owners. How? You'll do better when you know better. In my interviews, you'll hear from self-made millionaires, seven-figure business owners, authors, and world-class experts sharing how they did it so you can too without experiencing the same obstacles they did. Now, if you like this interview, please share it with a friend you think will benefit. They'll appreciate it, and I will as well. You can also connect with me on social media. Look for Daryl Urbanski, D-A-R-Y-L, Urban Ski, U-R-B-A-N-S-K-I, and add me so we can be friends. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy what I've prepared for you right here, right now. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us. My name is Daryl Urbanski, your host as always, and today we are joined by John Reyes, the copywriter behind Today's Industry Leaders. Through his marketing strategy and sales copywriting skills, he's helped generate over $40 million in sales for his clients. Founder of CopyBlueprints.com, he is a B2B consultant, strategic advisor, and high-powered copywriter for hire with a multi-million dollar track record. I've asked him to join us here today so we can talk about what it takes to create marketing strategies and write sales copy, which continues to produce results week after week, month after month, and year after year. So, John, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. How are you doing? Uh, pleasure to be here, Daryl. Yeah, man. pleasure to be here. Yeah. Finally got pleasure a hold of you. Yeah. <laughs> finally, finally got me to hit the record button. For those of you just joining us now, John and I have had like three, three like hour long conversations, and we just talked for like an hour before actually hitting record. So uh, he's just got a That's lot of value. That's always a good sign, give, right? Yeah, um, he's got a lot of value, good, a lot of value to give, a lot of uh, experience to share, and I'm really excited for this. But before we get into that. John, how did you get started? Like, do you come from a family of entrepreneurs? How did you even get into business and marketing and sales? Um, well, I mean, it's it's kind of twofold. I never had a business background growing up. Um, where I grew up, it was the cool guys or, you know, the people who made it, the people who were like leaders in our community were, you know, they had a gun and a badge. Um, you know, they were in the military. They were, um, you know, so serving some sort of, you know, government or, Kind of, it would always be, you know, the firefighters in the neighborhood, that kind of thing. Um, you know, growing up, it was like, okay, you know, same old thing. It was, it was kind of a, you know, higher crime rate area. It was very, very much, you know, minority and all that good stuff, which is, you know, something I always will hold in, you know, pride of where I grew up and I'm proud of how I was raised. But, uh, you know, over time, it was the traditional route. I came from, uh, I was a military brat and, you know, over time, it would just kind of do what you're told, um, you know, get good grades, be disciplined and, you know, follow the traditional route, follow a linear path. Um, you know, all, all hell kind of broke loose when I, you know, in middle school, I was pretty much, you know, kind of an awkward, kind of a, you know, introverted kid and, you know, always smart honing hobbies. I would, I used to write poetry. Um, really into martial arts. I used to, you know, make videos. We used to write like movie scripts and old school camcorders. We would just kind of shoot, shoot little films that were kind of off the cuff, crime movies and all sorts of stuff that would kind of engage my imagination, 
24-7 and me and my brother and our other friends. But, uh, you know, by the time I got to high school, it was let's transition to like, I kind of, you know, always wanted to be like the cool kid and the popularity stuff kind of started kicking in. And, you know, over time, I kind of lost my way. So um, earlier on, like 15, 16, I was already partying and getting into drugs and kind of hitting kind of a hardcore party lifestyle before I even graduated high school. Um, you know, when that all wore off, I got mixed up with the wrong crowd and gangs and all sorts of trouble. Um, you know, by the time I was 19, obviously my dad was a threatened threat of go to college or I'll ship you out to the military because you know, you're obviously throwing your life away as a teen. But I mean, you know, over time it was throwing myself back into trying to be a contributing member of society, going back to, you know, the discipline and having the, you know, the kind of hobbies that were kind of loner stuff, but just being focused and trying to make something better of myself. But when I was on that route, you know, I was really, I really, really developed issue with self-esteem, um, you know, jumping into like the cool kid and cleaning up my act after that, it was, I felt, you know, at the time I wouldn't admit it. I felt inferior. I didn't feel as smart. Um, I was used to the party life and, you know, kind of hanging out with friends and just being really irresponsible. And when I, I went back to college, um, for the most part, I really wanted to quit, but it was either you quit and join the military or you finish. Uh, so, you know, along the, along the route, it was a lot of struggle of learning. I became, you know, I, at the time I developed social anxiety. Um, I had a hard time focusing. I didn't really believe in myself to pass classes. So, um, you know, over time of even just getting to a point where I can function and try to enjoy my college experience. I basically had a self-help and a personal development, um, skill building and self-esteem building as like an extra, extra class I would give myself every single semester. So it was, you know, I have my curriculum of classes and then it was like, okay, but I also want to build social skills and I'm going to take all this time, you know, rebuild them. Um, it was like, I want to excel, I want to improve my body physically. And it was all in a way of like, rebuilding self-esteem and like rebuild reinventing myself to someone who I kind of liked seeing and someone who I I could who would actually go off to become you know like a someone or someone who was important but none of that really came natural to me so you know and long story short it was going down that route and by the time I graduated college ironically I graduated with a, a degree in advertising and a minor in psychology which is obviously way more appropriate now yeah. more than ever, but you know, there wasn't a path. I wanted to be in sales and over time I didn't like it. So I basically had to create my own path and it was the same. Luckily, all that self-improvement, all that, you know, self-taught skill building, you know, self-esteem building paid off because, you know, I had a network of friends and I came across obviously internet marketing and writing copy. And then uh, you know, I hired a mentor who was like, you can really write, you know, I think you should focus on copy. And then from there was the same route, kind of being obsessive, like, give me all the copy books, <laughs> give me all the marketing books, give me all the networking books. And I kind of went down that same route of obsessive growth. And then, you know, from there was, it was just a, such a smooth transition into, you know, writing for some of the big guys that, you know, celebrities, the Brian Tracy's of the world, the Jack Canfields and all those guys became like, I studied you guys when I was like a, you know, a socially anxious guy, you know, earlier in college. And then it just like rolled off the, 
kind of rolled off my fingers just writing copy that can convert because I'm like, A, I'm familiar with their work. B, I believe in this stuff. C, like, I believe in these people. So it was, yeah. and you, you know, from there, it was kind of my niche. You the buyer. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, for I sure. love it. I love it. I, I feel like it's the same sort of thing. It's a fantastic, fantastic journey. And, you know, in hindsight, it all makes sense and everything lines up. But moving forward, mm-hmm. you know, you never knew if your next foot was going to land on solid ground. You know, that's kind of right. kind of scary. What were some of the biggest challenges for you? on this path to becoming like the sought out copywriter you are now? Um, it was the same kind of challenges. You know, I think it was kind of, I think, you know, at the time it feels like we're kind of the only ones going through these kinds of challenges. And then especially in marketing, you know, this Daryl and, you know, especially in copy, you go back and study the target market and it's so many people have similar fears over, you know, certain topics. It, it, a rough example is like public speaking, you know, what's, what's uh, one of the worst fears besides death and it's public speaking. That's almost a universal thing. Um, you know, started, it was it's the same thing. Is my writing good enough? And then it became the whole thing of, I am so intimidated by business people because I don't even understand this world, but to make it as a copywriter, you're going to, especially a freelancer, you're going to have to throw yourself out there, especially when big work is out. And, you know, it's like, one, I, some people learn to kind of talk a big game and market and sell themselves really well. And then, you know, they get a client or a, yeah, yeah, then the panic attacks ensue. And it's like, oh man, I I didn't expect to close that. Now I got paid. I'm like freaking out. Um, (laughs) but I did the opposite route. For me, it was like, I want to obsessively get good at the skill, the service I'm delivering. So yeah. for me, it was like, even if I'm intimidated to, you know, cause I don't really understand the business that well yet, I want it to be extremely, extremely good at, you know, writing copy. And even if I got beat up for a while, I was like, fail fast and fail hard. Like John Carlton has this whole philosophy of, um, in his freelance course, it was the three steps of succeeding as a freelancer. And the first step was get good. Um, the second step was connected. And then the third step was get paid, and which is very, very much applicable in this day, especially for freelancers, no matter what route you want to take. But I spent so much time in the get good section that after like two years of beating controls, you know, I think in my second year, I was already well into the seven figure mark in clients and I was still like, I'm not good enough. <laughs> so I don't know. You know, it was those, it was those intimidate, it was that intimidation factor, but it was almost OCD. And then over time, it really pays off. It was yeah. definitely a discipline and just being out of my comfort zone. Um, yep. But, yeah, it always comes back to the, you know, it's like, I know, Daryl, you're into martial arts and things like that, but it's always um, the delivery of the skill. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's like a point where you could get better and, like, outshine an opponent with the fancy stuff. But at the end of the day, it's someone who's, like, really good at the fundamentals can yes. outshine other people. And I have to remind myself that there's probably new guys out there who can, like, take me to school if I don't stay sharp and it was the other way around too and i was i, I love that yeah no 100 percent. you know virtue is doing the common uncommonly well you know i love that like and the thing is like i noticed that you talk about martial arts and jujitsu training jujitsu you know mm-hmm. you learn all this fancy these fancy move things but they only worked on the un uh, like the unaware like you never see that mm-hmm. stuff work 
you didn't you didn't see that stuff. A lot of it work really well at the high levels, black belts versus black belts. But you would see some yep. black belts just walk through other black belts with stuff you learn your first week. You know, and that's, yeah, I just, I love it because you're like, oh, I focused on making sure my substance was really good before I started trying mm-hmm. to sell myself. And I think it's almost because it makes you, I mean, I don't want to be too buzzwordy, but it makes you magnetic. You know, like, I love this thing. This is Greg Glassman, who was the founder of CrossFit, had this uh, video. They talked about markets are unknown and unknowable. Like, a market is an amorphous thing. There's people coming in and out of the market. You're in a market to buy a house. You're out of the market. It's like an evolving thing. No one really knows how big it is. They can they can do surveys and, you know, whatever, but it's still kind of like an unknown, and you can't really know it where it is. But excellence is recognized by everyone. And so yep. the cool if you can just focus on being excellent – that's the safest route. If you just focus on excellence in that field, being the excellence, whatever that is, like the highest achievement, that will never lead you astray, you know, because because you'll always be sought after because you've, you've got that skill. And you'll never Absolutely. have issues in sales. Like, you know, like for you, I loved how you talked about how you maybe had self-esteem issues in the beginning, but now because of your track record, you, you kind of can lean on that a little bit. You know what I mean? Like it props you up a little bit because you're like, well, these are the things I did. And I know there's always kind of the imposter syndrome because it's like, well, I did that before. Could I do it again? And sure. Of that's course. There. But, it, but it gives you, <laughs> but it's still, it's still really powerful to have that, you know, versus just trying to sell a bunch of promises. So I, I love that. I love that a lot. I really think that's fantastic. What would you recommend to someone who's starting out or just struggling right now, either in copy or just in trying to get a business going in general? What would you say to that? Um, so many aspects. I mean, there's probably twofold. I would say there's the business owner side who wants to do it for their own business to scale themselves. And then there's the freelancer. Um, I, I would say for the freelancer, um, I do, you know, mentor and coach freelancers. Sometimes I'll help, uh, clients hire some here and there if they need them. But, you know, for <laughs> one of the things I would say is, um, there's always those right now. There's so many, there's many people who teach amazing things and many great copywriters out there, but there is the temptation, especially in this, um, you know, it's like the age of entrepreneurship that, like I mentioned earlier, you can learn to market and sell yourself really well. But then if you're marketing and selling something that you don't even believe in and your clients wouldn't like that much, then you're running the fine line of like lacking integrity. And I, you know, tell freelancers like if selling your skill set and you're marketing and selling it for top dollar, then your skills better be top dollar because, you know, in my opinion, I would rather, and I think a lot of, you know, freelancers know this, do it the other way around. It's like, if, even if I have to do a couple of projects for free and like keep a portfolio and network and gain testimonials for free. And then it's like you're honing a skill set that A will actually serve the world of business because you're doing, you know, you're right, you're creating a skill that'll help make clients money. I mean, and it's something that will probably actually sell and that you deserve to get paid well for. And, you know, it's, it's just also like retaining a humble attitude from there. Yeah. You should never sell yourself short and always know your worth. But you have to remember that there is the balance between marketing and selling yourself and the confidence in your skill set. Um, you know, over time, there becomes the, the miss, it's hard to balance of, you know, do I want to really, really stay focused on my skill set long term and then get paid? Well, you know, sometimes that goes to like the in-house route and then there's like, do I want to learn entrepreneurship? But I think there's always that balance of, 
A, knowing your worth versus B, humility. Uh, I, I'm at that stage now, you know, almost eight years in my career where it's, I have to remind myself, there's some new people who maybe they can't market and sell themselves as well as me or connect or network, but they can write even though they're new. Um, and there's other way around where it's like, these guys can't write nearly as well as me or whatever, but they can market and sell and connect a lot better than me. And, uh, it's just that route of growth. You know, I think starting for me, you know, sometimes it's, I think Daryl, you're probably the same way when you get a lot of experience in something, not just in, you know, business and marketing, but even personal life, it's hard to allow yourself to kind of suck at something. I get that way sometimes. And I'm like, let me try something new. And, you know, at this point in life, it's like I'm used to being confident at things, um, you know, health and fitness wise, too. And then when I'm sucking or struggling to grasp something very well, um, I don't know, you know, for example, uh, <laughs> this is like unrelated to kind of it's the same with you know, I think in business and professional skills. But an example is um, two years ago, I wanted to like get good at billiards, like shooting pool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was something I don't know why I couldn't. A lot, it's a lot better now. I later figured out it was like the way I was like treating my body health and fitness wise. But, mm. um, yeah, I just couldn't understand why I couldn't get good no matter how long I practiced. And then I put so much pressure on myself that it's like I wouldn't allow myself to suck. And then if I did, mm. I either wanted to quit or I would just like get, um, I would just like either want to quit and give up or just like, get really upset and frustrated and then make it like a process that is not a process of improvement. And, you know, the same thing is, it's the same kind of thing with like, uh, you know, freelancing entrepreneurship and, you know, skill building. That is, uh, I don't know. Another example of that is kind of like playing an instrument or whatever, but mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going yeah, on a skill here. I probably am. No, it's good. It's, it's <laughs> the skill develop. It's the fact that learning, I mean, that's what I think, what I think is one of the biggest benefits of, uh, secondary, post-secondary education is learning how to learn, learning how to Absolutely. go, like, to, learning how to understand the, like, the extent of a body of knowledge on a subject and how to, yep. you know, how to get through it and distill it and, and then, uh, like, make it yours and then build on it. I think that's such a powerful thing. And so the skill of building skills is really important. And I think a lot of that people, can take I mean, you very far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think in the beginning, it's just like the biggest concern is just roof and ramen. That's what my buddy used to always say. Like, do I have a roof over my head and do I have like, you know, hot noodle soup, you know, <laughs> like instant noodle soup? Like, am I, right. am I survive? Like, just survival. And once you have that, really, it should just be about excellence and skill building and trying to serve. I mean, all a company is, whether you're a one person show or a hundred people or a thousand, all a company is, is a person or a group of people solving a problem experienced by another group and they do that with a product or service and so that's where you have to just focus on what problem do i solve and how can i do it more consistently more excellent you know and i think that that really because you know you look at what happened in newspapers when blogs came out on the internet they thought that they were delivering advertising to people right they thought there i was delivering mm-hmm. wads of advertising with some stories peppered in there and people didn't like that and so they just got decimated. <laughs> right. they lost sight of the problem that they were solving for people which was to stay informed mm-hmm. on what's happening in the world around them and so it wasn't right. so the newspapers were slow to adopt a more efficient a more excellent means of solving that problem so again just get your roof and ramen covered and then focus on excellence and that should that should be a really good guiding light 
And that's what, like, that's what I loved about your story so much because that you're like, that's what I did. I just focused on excellence and you can do it to your own detriment. Sure. I mean, the business graveyard is full of businesses and products and services that nobody knew about. So you do need to market Absolutely. and sell yourself too. Right. But there, like you said, there's that balance. And I, I love that. What do you feel are some of the habits that have been most powerful for you to develop yourself in your career? Um, I think we touched on this a little bit. It's, uh, it's ironic. So, you know, we talked about kind of the freelance perspective and then there's like the business owner perspective, even the influencers, the multimillionaires, the guys who have been around for decades. I learned a lot by learning how to market them. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like, um, I don't know if I'm going to answer the question accurately, but, um, you know, it's kind of like understanding one of them is, especially if you're kind of starting out and getting new to this whole thing in a way that's, you know, broader, maybe you're an entrepreneur, maybe you're a marketer and it's not for other people. Um, but really understanding your target market. And, uh, you know, I would say that understanding your target market is for entrepreneurship in general. Um, you know, who am I going to sell to? What kind of crowd am I networking with? Um, you know, who, what kind of crowds do I associate myself with professionally? What kind of company am I going to talk to? But building upon that, you know, either if it's your own thing or if it's something you take out into someone else's business is, especially in the world of copy, it's like, um, how can you connect to your market or, you know, like a human to human connection? Like how can you connect to someone through, through writing or even through a video script that makes them feel like you're talking just to them? Uh, so it's kind of, you, you know, in a unique dialing in a unique message. So if it's something that right now, what's huge is the coaching and consulting market. There's some people who are really, really great. There's some people who are not the best, but they can really move and persuade their audience. Um, a mm. part of that is understanding how to connect to them. You know, if it's someone who, I don't know, you know, if it's someone who can share a story about how they seriously struggled and it was like the worst thing you've ever heard, you know what I mean? Like, some people have literally, you know, were in their deathbed or they had cancer or they had a serious disability. And then now they're like way above average. Um, you know, someone who can tell that story in a way that connects to their audience in a way that's, um, let's say someone who is, you know, wants to learn entrepreneurship. So if you're teaching entrepreneurship and then you're telling people, you know, they're obviously successful and you connect to them through your copy or through, your videos about why you were the worst underdog and then now you're, you know, you're above the average. That's a way to like communicate and connect with your audience. Even if you're not the best coach, that can go, um, that can be a huge, a huge advantage, like in the marketplace from a marketing perspective or someone who, you know, was the worst at relationships or whatever. And then, uh, you know, thoroughly explaining that and then explaining it in a way that really speaks to someone's pain points, like, it speaks to, you know, let's say I was, you know, too hurt. I was too fragile. I would push people away, blah, blah, blah. This is what happened. Um, you know, I always wanted something ideal and it was never possible. I would settle for average, you know, telling that's kind of like a templated story of what people fear and what people strive for in a relationship perspective. And you can, if you can move people through words in that way, then you kind of like you, if you could win them over as like a relationship coach in that way, then you don't have to be the best coach in the world. But if you're someone that people buy into or will listen, then you kind of, you know, you kind of got them. It's a way that you get people to kind of like know, like, and trust you. And that's like how you build a longer term following. Um, right. 
that's from like influencer perspective, or even if you're building your own thing, you know, you're not ready to hire a copywriter, you're not ready to um, take on, you know, a team or whatever. It's kind of understanding how to do that. And, you know, for me, it starts with words. It starts with writing. Uh, it starts with, uh, you know, learning to write video scripts and not going off the cuff. But it starts first before all of that with understanding thoroughly who your target market is, um, like who you're selling to and kind of what their motivations and pain points are. And I and think you, in a way. How do you do that? How do you um, do that? It's a good question. I mean. I would say there's there's one caveat I'm guilty of this too is if you're developing a brand or a product that you are so close to if it's a passion of yours which is it should be you're going to hit a stumbling block where you know all the features and benefits and why it's the best but you can't see it from your target market's perspective anymore it's like well I know why I like it I know this is why people buy it. I know this is why people would want it. And then, you know, you'd say, for example, I know people like it because, um, you know, module two of my mentorship training course teaches them a skill set that um, they really love. And then you interview someone, let's say a former, former customer of mine, customer of theirs. And they're like, no, I bought it because I like this story. Or like, I bought it because I like this, you know, I like this Facebook ad and it's like, what? So, yeah. so it's it's always like separating and to do that you usually need someone who's outside of it and that's kind of where you know someone like me a specialist would come in there and it's like let me pull the gold out of you let me just ask you a bunch mm-hmm. of questions about what people think and what where does it stick here and where where does where does your perspective your product meet the point of view of your audience and in a way mm-hmm. how can we connect the dots in a way that makes them see makes them see things from the point of view that they want to see it. Like with taking you out of the picture. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a huge sticking point. Um, yeah, no, I, I love it for getting started for like scaling call, up at to, least. We used to call it black belt eyes. So a, a buddy, a, a buddy of mine. Um, so the idea is black belt eyes. When you're in something so long, you forget what it's like to be showing up at the gym your first time, unexperienced, untrained, unconditioned. So I had a buddy of mine, he was running mm-hmm. a, an MMA gym in Miami and he'd been doing martial arts almost his whole life. And so he always thought it was impressive when he would spar with someone and they could kick him in the head. So he made a point when a new person came into the gym and they were doing like a little sparring, he made a point to kick them in the head. But he didn't realize he was kicking people in the head. Like people that have no experience in martial arts, like I'm just coming oh, up the man. street and I just go to this guy's gym and I do like the demo class and this dude kicks me mm-hmm. in the head. And so he thinks he's showing off how good he is. And they're going to be like, wow, right. you're so good. You managed to kick me in the head. Please teach me. Because that's how he was. He was seeking out teachers because he had his black belt, right? He was seeking <laughs> out teachers because he, right. Right, that could kick him in the head. But he didn't realize he was just terrifying the people that were coming through the door. Um, so black belt. That, yeah, a, that is a, that is a hilarious and like I've got visually <laughs> like a visually entertaining example of that and I can see that I was in martial arts I was a black belt in a taekwondo and then I did a yeah. boxing for a little while I also did like a little bit of weapons training but I'm like getting a visual of that and that's yeah. like that's so true like, how it how as, it comes across and right? at some point like I think we all belt. get like that yeah 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 as a black belt right. you would if you train with him you'd be like wow he's really good but if you are just coming off the street you, you've no like real understanding of what this art is. You're out of shape. You know, you've never maybe even been in a fight before and someone just hauls off and kicks you in the head. 
Like, it doesn't induce people to buy. <laughs> like, it's, it's, That's hilarious. That's It's unfortunate because we all kind of do that in some way, especially when you get, like, skilled at something. And it's also the opposite where if you get really skilled at something or, like, you know, aggressive at something and then other people are like, whoa, that's impressive. And you're like, what? That's 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 not even that impressive. And then you're told over and over again, like, that's impressive. And you're like, no. I mean, for example, it, like the martial arts thing is like, let's say someone in like a, a Taekwondo demonstration can do like a 360 kick and like a break a brick with it or something. You know what I mean? And then it's like someone sees that and the guy is like, well, I mean, the kick was kind of sloppy. And then one else is like, that is just amazing. And then the guy sees it and he's like, no, it was just kind of sloppy. You know what I mean? Where this is the opposite perspective where it's something I did that impresses everyone else is kind of, is run of the mill to me. So there's like two that's sides right. of the coin, which is, yeah, yeah, no, it's part right. of skill building and mastery, I guess. You're, if For you're sure. too close, if you're too close, it just shows the value of outside expertise. Someone that can interview you, talk to you, pull out the nuggets, do the research, find out that, and then, you know, and know how to test the hooks and the points to figure out what's going to resonate with the largest group of prospects that are out there and, you know, and have that ability because to be objective, because especially if it's your own company, so much of your personal identity can be attached to it. It can be a real limiting factor, you know, where you don't, I mean, that's where like coaching works. That's why, that's why mm-hmm. they have coaches. No one, no one's really gone to the Olympics and made it, you know, without a coach. I mean, there's been a couple of anomalies, but it's just a really, really, mm-hmm. really, 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 really uncommon thing. And it's because that ability to push ourselves, to compare ourselves to others. Like we, and they say, especially when you work for yourself, you tend to have the worst boss ever because you let yourself cut corners, you let yourself show up mm-hmm. to work late, you accept all your excuses, you know, and so that's kind of where the real value comes from, that objective, almost scientific approach from an outside perspective. Absolutely. A part of it is humbling. A part of it is pushing yourself. Um, but yeah, I think the whole coaching thing is in general. I think anyone who's had a coach in any way in like physical fitness, even as personal training, at one point will want to kill their coach or hate him or something, and then thank them later. I mean, there's the whole thing of like, I knew when I had coaches, it was always the aspect of I want to quit or this is too much. And then the coach would just basically not baby you or anything like that. And it's like, well, I mean, okay, we'll pout for two seconds and you, you're going to keep going to the next level because I see you can. And I'm like, I want to kill my coach, which is not, I mean, not literally, but. You know, at some point, then it's like, wow, I, this is some, someone needed to bring this potential at, out of me. And, uh, yeah, someone needed to kind of bring this goal out of me. And I'm thankful that this person did it. It's definitely like a humbling mindset, but everyone falls victim of, to, you know, when it comes to pushing yourself and forgetting to stay humble sometimes. I think we see it all the time in the world of like professional sports. Um, mm-hmm. there's always yeah. going to be one better than us, no matter how good we get at anything. And where do you do your best work? What type of situations do you f- are just like easy easy home runs for you? What kind of people? What kind of clients? What kind of industries? You know, if someone was listening, um, to this, what's what's a situation where you know typically you can just hit a home run? It's typically, um, I would say, an influence marketer. Whether it's um, you know whether it's something around personal growth, whether it's uh, entrepreneurship, a common one that even millionaires and multimillionaires still hit is that same aspect we just talked about of I'm hitting a wall, you know, I can't get this next product to scale. And, you know, we, we scale and now we're just hitting a ceiling and lo and behold, you go in and it's like, you're not seeing things from your audience's point of view anymore. You know, it's all about how you look at your product and how you look at your business and how, 
your team members look at it, then it's like, maybe you need to take a step back. Are you really talking to them in a way that they still care about what you have to say? Are they still opening your emails? Um, so that kind of thing, it's, it's typically, you know, if anything around self-help, entrepreneurship, sometimes it's helping, you know, millionaires or multimillionaires scale to the next level. One of my client does that. And, you know, he has like a hundred K, um, a hundred K mentorship to work with him. And it's that same level, you know, they've achieved a high level of success, but anyway, that's kind of that, that similar market, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. I'll do something around, uh, the health and fitness mindset, but it's usually if it's, if I do uh health and fitness products, that market, it has to be someone who believes in what they sell. Um, there's always going to be businesses who are in it just for the money, but if someone is passionate about, you know, their supplements, if someone is passionate about like their fitness programs, then it, then it, that's something I can get behind because they have to believe in it and then I can believe in it. Um, you know, another aspect is obviously the freelancers who are looking to get to the next level of tons of, there's tons of other copywriters out there who teach certain things. Um, but that's like a whole nother story. But in terms of, yeah, the business to business market, I would say that's usually where it is. You know, the influencer marketing can be kind of vague. Sometimes it's an agency. Sometimes it's um, personal growth, entrepreneurship, relationships. Sometimes it's health and fitness. But it usually the thing, the common denominator is like a marketer or owner, a face of the brand who really believes in like what they do and what they sell. Then it becomes like, okay, now you're putting your passion out into the world. And it's like mm. it's, people legitimately enjoy it and you, you have results. So now it's like, let me see if I can get behind your passion. And if I could believe in it, then we can knock this thing out of the park. But I mean, there's going to be disorganization somewhere, but there's also scalability somewhere. Mm. So you said, let me say if I, if I heard that right. So typically it's someone who's already achieved product market fit. They're already in it. They're passionate about it, but they're just not either getting the sales that they want or, you know, they, maybe they, their concern is that the product has reached the end of its life cycle. And that's typically where you're able to come in with a fresh pair of eyes and either help them set up marketing strategies that are more scalable because what they're doing is working, but it's, it's got a, like a, a ceiling to it. Or if the product is near the, you know, if the product might be near its life cycle, but it's based on how they're, right, how they're positioning it in the market. And then you would be able to come in and try to try, uh, bring forth some fresh perspectives, Absolutely. fresh strategies. It's usually, kind of, um, yeah. Yeah. So an example, sorry to interrupt, but you know, an example oh, yeah. of that is kind of someone who, you know, runs like a consulting agency or something like that. Like they know they have mm-hmm. clients that they help who are doing really well, but then there's an issue of scalability here. It's like maybe, okay, I sell 20K packages, but I have to work with each client one-on-one. And it's like, I don't have enough time. I'm working 80 hours a week, you know, I'm making good money. And now I'm trying to build something that is more of like a different offer. You know, like I'm trying to build a mastermind where I charge people 5k but you know I can basically teach like a whole group at once and it's better healthier for me and my life and my bank account then it's probably like okay you're getting members into your mastermind but you know what's the difference of you going one-on-one you know what I mean so there's that mm-hmm. issue of like scalability or if it's like do they have some success hopefully doing you know maybe multiple six figures a year at least like a quarter million or something like that and then it's why can't you get to the next level or are you seeing a dip or, mm. you know, if you're ready to launch a new offer, then it's kind of like time to put the big guns out. But it it does revolve around that. And it usually I pretty much have to work with I can't work with people who don't have the integrity, mm. um, you know, who would really sell something and put a lot of 
effort into the copy in marketing and to know they'll deliver like an inferior product, even if that's like, or an inferior service. Um, but yeah, you know, for me, it's it's a lot of information marketing. How does, how does it usually start off? How do people like, do they usually reach out to your website and then you get on a call and you set up like a, a sample project? Like how does it typically unfold? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you go to copyblueprints.com, you'll see the two avenues for, you know, if you're a marketer entrepreneur, there's a big button. If you're a freelancer, there's a big button. But, you know, a lot of my clients nowadays are, it's usually through, um, I don't do like paid advertising or any of that stuff, really. Usually it's mm-hmm. through connections I've known previously or a, a client or someone who's been kind of successful in my network and then I kind of want to reach out and connect you know sometimes it's um sometimes it's someone who I've met by someone high level I've met at a networking event I'm not shy about sending them a message on LinkedIn just to introduce myself and sometimes that turns into a very lucrative relationship um you know sometimes it's people who've seen me post and then they reach out to me but it usually starts with you know I tell them like you know, we have to make sure we're a good fit for each other because it's like dating. You know, you don't want to bounce around mm-hmm. at some point from person to person. You just want to find people you can stick with. So I usually say, like, here's, you know, here's my website, copyblueprints.com, and here's a basic gist of who I am. And, you know, if I could be a good fit for you, then let's talk, you know. But other than that, mm-hmm. like, do your due diligence. But if we do, usually end up popping on a call. Sometimes I'll offer um, like a pretty thorough critique of like mm-hmm. actionable stuff to fit. But you know, it's always in the beginning. It's that mindset. It's always in good faith that if we connect, let's make sure we're, you know, we could be a good fit for each other. And then we talk more, but it's nothing. Mm. It's always like, if not, you know, don't take it personally. And it's the same way for me. You know, I'm not a, so I'm not the best fit for everyone too. So if it's like, mm-hmm. you know, if it's, I'm not a perfect fit for them, I don't take it personally either. So it's, that's just mm. the kind of due diligence I do because I like to build relationships um, if we're a good fit for each other, then, hey, let's take this, you know, one month, two months, let's take a few projects and let's just keep, you know, taking the ball and running with it. Um, mm. So you're looking to play long-term games with long-term people, but obviously, like you said, kind of walk into it, you know, cautiously out of respect for both people. Yeah, it's a, it's a kind of a mutual respect kind of thing. You know, am mm-hmm. I good for you? Are you good for me? If we're not sure, but there could be something there, we can talk it out and maybe do something small. Uh, but that's typically the process, you know, it's always, I'm always open to reaching out, you know, copy blueprints. I have, uh, if you're uh, in the entrepreneurial space, I do have a swipe file you can download. Um, freelancers. I also have a course on there. Um, but yeah, you know, it's usually a combination of either we meet in the middle, you know, I'll, I've heard of you and we connect on social media or something, or you just reach out to me or vice versa. But, you know, from there, it's kind of, um, kind of a consultative process. I don't think there's a one size fits all. Yeah, got it, got it, got it. So for those of you listening, you definitely want to go check out copyblueprints.com. Take a look at what John's work. He's worked with Dean Graziosi. He's worked with Brian Tracy. Who else? You've got worked with all the Jack Canfield, a lot of big, big Oh, yeah, a lot of ghostwriting, too. I mean, um, (laughs) a lot of the great big names. I don't really want to, like, list a ton of them right now. I work with, you know, some of the founders of MassSigns. I've worked with um, agencies that specialize in influencer marketing. Um, it still continues till this day, but I'd be happy to tell you more if you want to reach out and uh, start a conversation with me about it. 
Yeah, excellent. Well, John, I appreciate your time coming here and sharing your story with us today. I think there are some really good, simple, timeless lessons in there. People may want to listen to it more than once to make sure they got the goods out of it. I mean, you talked about like a really simple uh, formula to get started, just get good, get connected, then go get paid. We talked about the importance of fundamentals and how like just how that's so, so, so super important to not worry about you know, the fancy stuff, but really focus on being that good. You also talked about how understanding your target market is one of the most important pieces because if you're disconnected, Mm -hmm. you're going to lose their attention. And just like with TV, you know, or a YouTube video, they'll click away. So you really have to make sure that you're in resonance with them. You have to make sure that you're having a human-to-human connection because that's why they will choose you over your competitors is being able to make that human-to-human connection. Talked about using stories. And we also talked about how a lot of business owners get too close. We talked about the black belt eyes. They're, They're kicking their clients in the head because they've got so much experience that they forget what it's like to be nervous on your first day showing up, not knowing what to mm-hmm. expect and the value of having an outside opinion. So I just think there are some really good nuggets in here. Those are just a couple that I kept in mind. Was there anything I didn't ask you that I should have asked you? Um, I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> it's like I have like so much stuff you can like kind of pick my brain for days, but um, <laughs> I don't think so, man. I think you and I, Daryl, we've already had convert like little like, hey, how you doing? And then it turned off to be like two hour talk. So I'm pretty sure yeah. we've, there's a lot of stuff we can talk to each other about. But I think Probably for the sake of time, I think we're talk. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's funny. But yeah, I think we're good for now. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, John, again, thank you so much because I know you've got your own followers and your own clients you could be talking and working with. So thank you for coming and sharing and helping inspire and help my my listeners grow. So once again, anyone listening, if they want to find out more, go to copyblueprints.com or look up John Reyes, J-O-N-R-E-Y-E-S. You can find them on LinkedIn, on Facebook. Shoot them a message. And John, appreciate you coming on. We'll look forward to talking to you again. Likewise. You've reached the end of our interview. Now first, let me thank you for listening. I appreciate and respect you more than you'll ever know. And now I'd like to ask you a couple of questions. First, what three lessons did you just learn? What three aha moments just jumped out at you? Second, what can you implement for yourself and your business in the next 24 hours? Third, What can you give to someone else to help you with or give them to just do it for you? Whatever it is, remember taking action is the secret sauce to results. Now, if you think this interview would be helpful for a friend, please give them a link to it. It'll help them and it'll help me too. I'd also like to invite you to help me find out more about the challenges you're facing, your dreams, your goals, and how I can help you overcome what's holding you back. We both do better when we know better. And your success is my success. So please reach out and interact. You can visit our website, bestbusinesscoach.ca for Canada or California, where I'm from and where I'm living. Uh, You're welcome to also try out one of our paid programs. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and pretty much every other social media channel you can think of. You should also subscribe to the podcast. And if you're enjoying them, please leave us a nice review. It really helps. That's all for now. Once again, thank you. Take care of yourself. And remember, the world needs the best business you can build. And I believe in you.